Boop, 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 boop. Oh, that's, man. That's the Game of Thrones intro music that we're using for this week's uh, quick zero production value hottest of hot takes on the Game of Thrones. I, I like the beep, 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 beeps from last week. Oh, the, the, the telegraph. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. But I need to come up with a different one for the next four weeks. So let's not commit. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are going to talk about Game of Thrones season eight thousand episode four hundred million, uh, or season eight episode two, titled "A Night of the Seven Kingdoms." Right? I, yeah, I think so. I guess I don't know. It's hard because they don't tell you what it is before you watch it now. <laughs> really they don't yeah when you when you turn it on hbo at least for me when you turn on hbo it just says like game of thrones 68 or oh. game of thrones whatever i guess because they're trying to not spoil you with something or yeah. something which i think you could just do by just making clever titles but you know that's neither here nor there. right uh, i'm also i feel like there's only like three ways left this thing can end and you know that the final episode is going to be called a song of ice and fire like who gives a shit Man, right. or a dream of spring, one of the two. Yeah. Who, who gives a shit? Also, the first episode was called Winterfell, which I feel like is confusing because I feel like the next episode should probably be called Winterfell. But eh, who knows? Uh, it doesn't. None of it. None of this matters. <laughs> none of this means anything. So I'm picking up, Greg, that from the tone in your voice, the dejected nature of your comments, that you really liked last night's episode. Uh, I li- I think I liked it better than episode one. I'd agree with that. Um, but. I, I still feel like I was I was ready to give episode one credit for being a little bit like fillery because it's a lot of catch up and getting, you know, reminded who all the characters are and, you know, just getting people to Winterfell, et cetera, et cetera. And I was all almost like, you know, the first episode of most of these seasons is really like it's like the first day uh, back to school, of the new school year where it's just like, hey, guys, do you remember what math is? We're going to talk about math. So it's kind of like a reminder. It's like an hour long previously on Game of Thrones thing. But then this episode also was just kind of like, yep, there's a battle coming. Yep. And it's it's going to be a big one. Oh, boy. But I know you guys can't wait for that battle, huh? Yeah, I feel as if it feels the first the first episodes of the season so far have just been a collection of character moments. Yeah. Which there's a time and a place for that. And some would argue that, you know, we're trying to we're just saying our farewells and throwing characters that haven't seen each other in a long time or never met each other into the room and seeing what happens. But the the strength of Game of Thrones has always been that it's it's always been a pretty economical show. Well, the first half of it, I'd say, and that every scene is you're getting character development and you're getting plot movement. Yes. Or you're getting some really intense character development at the expense of plot development or vice versa, right? And I feel like when you watch a scene in episode or season one or two versus scene in seven or eight, I feel like that's not, there's a big disparity between those two. And not that I hated all the thing, all the scenes and the character interactions, but they just felt like we're ticking boxes. Yes, I completely agree. Um, and and in the in the earlier seasons, those character interactions and those character development moments, like you say, like they serve two purposes. They told us something about the characters, but that new knowledge about the characters helped kind of move the plot along in the way that like now I better understand what this person's motivations are, or oh boy, this person's alliances might shift as a result of this 
you know, interaction. And what is that going to mean down the road? You know, when we see Jamie and Brienne making their way south and Jamie is, it's a growth experience for Jamie. And it's, it's part, it's the beginning of his redemption arc. And you're wondering, okay, now that he has found this sympathy for Brienne and he now feels indebted to Brienne, what is that going to mean when he gets back to King's Landing and has to negotiate with Cersei about Sansa, right? Like these moments have an impact on the overall plot as opposed to just... So like the scene with where Davos sees the little girl in Winterfell and she reminds him of Shireen. And Gilly is also reminded of Shireen who taught her how to read a little bit. It's And it's a sweet scene, but you're not left wondering, oh, how is this going to change Davos's mind about blah, 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 blah. Was it that Davos was on the fence about fighting before, but now he's going to decide to fight? Or... Before, Davos was feeling really depressed and nihilistic about all this. And now meeting this kid has given him a ray of hope, which is going to change how he interacts with the action to come. Nope, we don't, there's no, it's kind of like, okay, that was cool, so what? And all of the character development and, you know, most of those scenes before had a much stronger so what to them. And now it just feels like, oh boy, What's going to happen when these two see each other again? And sometimes it's a sweet, genuine payoff. But other times, I feel like too much time has passed. Because I'm, I'm a fan of these shows and this, um, and this world and, and these books. And when the Theon Sansa reunion happened, I didn't... It took me, like, a full beat to remember, oh, right... They have they had that shared time with Ramsey and all of what that meant for each other. And I was like, oh, cool. Like now I remember and that's probably important. But because that memory is so distant, (laughs) I mean, not only in terms of like show hours that have passed in between without any reference, but also like real world life hours that have passed. I just forgot. So that moment didn't land for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like it's also part of the kind of putting them back to back to back to back. Like you start to just sort of like become a little desensitized to it where, you know, if these were stretched out a little bit more over different situations and, you know, it's funny because I think that people, when a lot of people always, you know, because my opinion is just so well respected. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I respect like, your opinions, Andrew. Thanks. You know, they always like, well, what'd you think of the episode? You know, uh, you're a fantasy nerd. And I'm always, my response is always just, you know, lately been meh, you know. And I think they're like, oh, it was it was just slow or whatever. I'm like, no, it's not that it's slow. Like, a significant portion of Game of Thrones is people just faffing about, right? Like, yes. and I'm not like, I don't need action. I don't need character deaths like the focus on that i'm so over that like who's gonna die who's gonna live i mean it's become a part of the show right and it's become a thing but i've if anything one of the negatives one of the positives of game of thrones and song of ice and fire is it brought this renewed idea that like no one's safe right that like characters you know they make choices and there's consequences and sometimes those things can seem abrupt and that just happened and that's a good thing However, I also think it's created this sort of whirlwind of, like, now every show has to kill off its characters or certain characters or it has to have a lot of twists and turns just for the sake of having them because now that's, like, a requisite for a good story and having major character deaths is a requisite for a good story. And I don't agree with any of that. Right. And I think that it's made, like, an arbitrary, like, you know, boom in that industry, for lack of a better term. So the focus on, like, you know 
like and, and like even I was talking about like oh let's do a death pool be fun like there's a there's a certain appeal to it right is a show where lots of people die but I from a actual story perspective and what people are worried about I don't care about that so much when it comes to the actual show I just want it to be quality and and the plot to be you know the characters and the plot to be well serviced yeah I'm that's that's the thing of like oh who's gonna die next episode and I've got some predictions but it's become obvious because at this point um we know which characters are expendable and which ones aren't right and um and at this point like we're not gonna do there's not gonna be any more red weddings there's not going to be any more, uh, oh, you thought this was Ned Stark's show, but it's not. Uh, we're not going to have any more. Yeah. That's, we're past that point. Um, so now all that's left, the only weight a character death can have on this show is it's going to, you know, make the audience feel ways about stuff, maybe. Which, that's just dumb. You know, when De- when Ned Stark died, that was a huge moment in the show because it... All of the Stark family characters um, now had it, it. It symbolized the Lannisters absolutely turning against the Starks in a um, gloves are off kind of ways. It drove all the other Starks into hiding, and it had symbolism of here is what Ned Stark represented, and look where it got him. These are the rules of this world and this universe. And also, um, we're subverting the fantasy trope of the guy who's just after justice is going to come out on top. He does not. Things go badly. Um, it meant something. The Red Wedding was kind of just a reminder of that. And also, it had huge implications for the power relationships, for the political structure of the, of the world. Um, not just, ooh, it was so shocking. Right. Um, even, even smaller things like when Tyrion kills Tywin or, you know, some of the board, the big set pieces, right? Like the Battle of Blackwater Bay, these kind of things. Like they have such huge ramifications throughout the show. Yes. And, and like you said, in the context of the world, in the context of the characters, and it leaves you asking a lot of questions and, you know, theorizing and trying to figure out what's going to happen next. That's, that's like, that's the heart of the show to me. I get that we're at, towards the end, right? Like we can't. At some point, we can't. We need to have some closure, right? But like, I just feel like what I what I want, based on what it seems the themes of the show have been and the books, you know, together, everything we've just said, is that I really want one more. Like, oh, I did not like someone made a choice, and there's big ramifications. That is that, that that's somehow part of the conclusion, yes. right? I and I think there's one twist left. I think that I think that there is enough room in the in the we have three episodes left four four right okay right three after next week got it um uh i think there's enough room in the in the amount of runtime we have left and also just in the like if if you kind of imagine just in terms of the narrative where the finish line is i feel like there's still one more twist in the road um and i think we were we were in a group chat earlier today and i i i think you put it very succinctly and very well when you said that like if the good guys beat the army of the dead in the next episode and then just go beat up cersei that's going to be very disciplined correct like we need there's there's something else has to happen yeah and you know funnily enough we were talking uh just via chat the day after we released our episode and had a probably even more interesting discussion about the previous episode and theorizing (laughs) um which is great uh but you know we talked a lot about you know, based on the the trailer for the next week, and you know Jamie's role, and, and what could be 
right? In this thing, I think that what you and I are both looking for, um, you know, and I'm open to other things. This isn't being, this is not me saying this is the only way it can go, but it seems like there's been parts of the show that have been building towards this or trying to hint that there is something coming, although it's hard to say if that's just me and me, uh, projecting my wishes or the show's just some really bad acting or writing or just like different writers not being on the same page there's a lot of things but i am wanting a john first danny not even necessarily a battle just some sort of conflict right like they don't have to fight on dragons or in a big set piece again but like there needs to be some sort of conflict between the two of them over john's lineage and you know who's who's the rightful heir uh, or if this is if this whole thing, you know, Danny said, I'm going to break the wheel. Well, not really. Um, at least not everything you're saying, because you're relying on the structures that have been to try and justify your claim and seem to be sort of ruling in a similar way to other people. Uh, and I really thought that, you know, ooh, there's all these things that could happen in the next episode that are really going to set up that moving forward. And then there'll probably be a break because it's going to be the, the army of the dead and they're going to have to just deal with that. And it, it could still happen, but it, not enough happened in this episode. Like, the stuff with Jamie wasn't, it got resolved pretty quickly or more yeah. or less resolved. And, you know, there's still some lingering stuff with Sansa. And then, you know, John tells Danny, and she doesn't take it great, but it, you know, gets interrupted. I do think that if the solution is Jon Snow dies so we don't have the conflict, I'm also not a big fan of that because that just feels lazy. But So, I think that, yeah, I think that... Um that you you are going to end up with a John and, and Daenerys showdown. Um, because, and I'm not exactly sure how and why we get there, um, but I think it's going to take the shape of she wants to be the the queen and he doesn't want the North to have a queen. I think we're, we're going to have that argument again. Um, I don't think Jon Snow wants to be king. I don't want Jon Snow to be king, um, but I don't think Jon, I think that as this progresses, Jon is going to decide he doesn't want Daenerys to be queen. Um, so I think there's that's going to be the showdown. I don't think this ends up with Jon and Daenerys being the answer that oh if John and Daenerys rule together everything's going to be great I don't think so um and I think that this episode is very much setting up the Daenerys heel turn the last two episodes because I did not buy her her little sit down with Sansa I did not buy Daenerys at all in that yeah it um, felt forced I mean and you could they did, they did a pretty good job I actually like that scene a lot and you know the second that it's not going you know she tries to play the let's oh, just chat as girls yeah. right you know just girl I mean? talk girl just talk girl about talk. your old put boy my hand on you. yeah and and laugh about it but then the second that it doesn't go her way you see that turn in her of just like fuck this like right as um, soon as sansa bring like tries to question her like authority mm-hmm. um or her plan you know she just goes ice cold um and then and interestingly when when john tries to have this heart to heart with her about um you know hey uh just got some weird news um her response is like yeah but what about the throne right yeah like there's a lot of ways you could have played that scene and the the writers they had it you know they they didn't have you know they everything happens quickly and and the idea is we are seeing the most important parts of the conversation and the most important thing the da daenerys that was the first thing on her mind in this scene was what are the implications that this thing is happening to john what does this mean for my claim to the throne not yeah. like 
oh my god, you just found out the man you thought your father was not your father. Are you okay, guy I'm supposed to love? Right. Um, or, uh, you know, oh my god, that means we're like, you know, aunt and nephew. What does that mean for our relationship? No, her first thought is like about the claim to the throne. So I do think the show is trying to like set up that her motivations are not uh, the same as John or and her motivations are not something that we as the audience are supposed to relate to or understand. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that could have could have been and could be done better. Sure. Than it has been. Um, but I hope that's the case. I mean, there's been enough throughout the series where you're kind of like supposed to be like, eh, Daenerys, not sure about you sometimes. Like both in sort of a you can be a little brutal. Uh and you're a little single-minded when it comes to what you want. Um, also, like, you don't seem to be, like, the best ruler. Because <laughs> um, you kind of have botched every place you've been. Um, you know, your heart's in the right place most of the time. But that's, you know, intention is not that important when it comes to ruling, to be honest. There's uh, your political theory for the week. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, so I hope that's the case. And I-, I wanted to make, before we continue on, just if we continue to dump on the show, I want to say a couple things I really did like. Um, yeah. I really like the the preparation like background stuff going on, like the stuff they've done. It just feels makes it feel very like full because some of the set pieces have been really good, but like the Battle Bastards, while a very well filmed piece of episode of te- television, you know the the mechanics of everything doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. You're like, why are you doing it this way and and whatever, but you know this you know making fortifications and adding yeah. dragon glass to all this all the you know, crenellations on the castle. And it's like, oh, that's really, it just makes it feel like this is a bunch of people preparing for a big battle. And I liked that. Um, just a little bit of background action going on. Yeah. And I, I truly do think that the scene with Brienne was just really well done. I think so too. Uh, um, and, it, and that felt like something that wasn't just ticking a box for me. Like that was like, ooh, this is just a really, I mean, it was a little cheesy and it almost felt a little bit like not Game of Thronesy. But I feel like kind of something like almost something belonging to a different fantasy show. But in the context, I think it, like that's like that's okay. Yeah, I I thought it was good. I think it, it felt a little a little like it. When I say out of place, I mean like I feel like it either should have come a couple episodes earlier, or it's got to come a couple. It just it didn't feel like it's the right time for it. Mm. Like I I think I needed more of a a little bit more of a build up to remind me about why this is important to Brienne, remind me why it's important that it comes from Jamie, all of those things. Because I read a quick little article, I think it might have been on Ringer, about this, and somebody talked about and like they really said like. Oh, Brienne's history, and she's never, you know, ever since she was a teenager, she thought she could never have what she wanted, so she was just committed to what other people wanted, and then this is, like, the first time in her life someone is giving her the thing she wants because she earned it, and, like, it's really powerful. I'm like, that's all, those are all very good arguments. Um, I just wish the show had kind of slid into it a little bit better, but good scene. I thought it was a little weird because I feel like it was also... Like, did we need two scenes in this episode where Brienne got validation from Jamie? Because yeah. there's the first scene where he's like, I want to fight with you, but I want to, like, serve under you, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, wow, you know, like, that's a, you know, he's, he, this is the validation. And then there's, like, the later scene, like, I want to make you a knight. And I'm like, okay, cool. 
We didn't need both. Um, Maybe that was their way of trying to slide into it. It yeah, just didn't stick for you. But. I think so. I just, again, it was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe just a little bit more time in the previously on for the Brienne and Jamie relationship. I mean, I get it in hindsight, but it just didn't land for me in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I see what you're trying to do. This is all very well acted and put together, but it feels a little out of the blue for me. What do you think is some speculation, some theorizing time, which, by the way, I read an amazing theory, which I, which isn't gonna isn't true, but it was called... Have you read The Exodus Theory uh, for the ending? No, of, I don't think so. There's, there's a variant... Same guy kind of did it. It's floating around, you know, the different... The subreddit and different forums and stuff, but he basically made a theory that says that, you know, first he did it for the books, then he altered it for the show a little bit, is that the end of the... Se- the end of the series ends with them evacuating uh, Westeros for Essos and having this big conflict in the, you know, on the east west coast of Essos and then basically just like writing off Westeros as a lost cause because and like doing something that prevents the Night King from moving to, to Essos. I don't know. It was very interesting, but. Um, oh, so, so is it, is it that based on the pace of the books that, um, uh, da- Daenerys never gets to Westeros. Westeros comes to her first. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I didn't. It's pretty long. You know, these things can yeah. be very long. Yeah. But it was it was well well put together. Although I don't think that's the case, especially now. No. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I. What do you think the importance of Tyrion? You know, sitting down with Bran and then you know the camera cutting. I don't is know. That, is that purely just is, is it setting up the next? Because I I you said something. A while uh, earlier today as well where he said something along the lines of like you know Tyrion needs to have his big one more moment one more, one more Tyrion moment where he shows how smart he is yeah so that's I think because I'm trying to think of as I think of all the characters and where they are in their individual arcs and for example Brienne's arc is done yeah she's dead so she can die um I, I'll be sad to see her go but but I, but you know, who's gonna die in episode three? And I say Tyrion is not gonna die. Nope. Because Tyrion's been a fuck up for a couple seasons now, and he needs to have a redemption before before he goes. If he goes, he might not. But if you're gonna kill Tyrion, it needs to be he needs to come back and have another brilliant tactician uh, moment, like Battle of the Black Blackwater. Yeah, and they um, set it up in this episode. They spent a lot of time discussing him and his role and his mistakes. So I definitely think that they're setting up for right that little arc um and so i think we need to we need to get there with him he needs to do something really cool and smart um uh i don't know what that's gonna be because as much as i liked all of like you said like the fortifications of winterfell and it looks like they have a plan the little scene where they made a plan felt so thin to me and yeah i was like i was like that's it <laughs> yeah um and uh so i feel like that didn't do a good enough job of setting up. Like, for example, again, going back to Battle of the Bastards, where there's a scene where John and Sansa are looking at the map, and they're basically going over and saying, this is what we're going to do. Make sure you don't do this, big old Chekhov's gun. But then mm-hmm. we as, so that we as the audience, as we're watching it happen, we can be like, oh no, he's doing the thing he's not supposed to do. Now they're going to lose. Like, we have a kind of a broader sense of what's happening we're not going to have that for the battle of winterfell like we're not going to have um uh oh no they broke through the left flank that means that the blah 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 is going to happen you know usually you get a scene where they say and everything's going to go great so long as we keep the dragons in the air and then one of the dragons doesn't you know um so we can have an all is lost moment but um 
so I so so Tyrion, I think whatever his big genius maneuver is, it's not going to be a part of the Winterfell battle because we haven't properly established the parameters of that battle in such a way that he can do something that's going to impress us, the audience. Yeah, unless something happens in the heat of the battle that he can do, but that like I said, I I agree with what you said about it, that like it would feel we didn't get quite enough info on yeah. that. You know, they've always sort of and same thing. Black, I mean, it's been a while, but I feel like. They, there's a similar thing for Blackwater's Bay. Like, we just have to do X, Y, Z. Oh, God, Y and Z didn't, <laughs> didn't happen, go right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's just, that's a classic battle, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I mean, I've heard that, I don't know if it's just people are saying that or, but I'm like, you know, that this battle is inspired by Helm's Deep a lot, and which is one of my favorite battle scenes on, tel- on you know, on film. Uh, but similar thing right it's like we got these big walls we'll stay behind them and then the walls explode and yeah. you know oh and all the shit, all but... the all the women and children are down in the basement gotta keep them safe right which is gonna go great in this i think um do you think there's gonna be like like zombie starks down there or do you think they're just gonna break through and get in no i don't think that's gonna happen i don't um, think so either i think the i mean number one all that's left down there is gonna be bones yep uh two I mean, I think we've established that the 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 Night King magic you have to be killed by a White Walker for it to um, for you, right? Is that the case? I think so. I actually don't know. I feel like that's something I should know. Yeah. Well, no, because there were the skeleton boys with Bran. I mean, I guess we don't know if those were killed by White Walkers or not. But yeah, the D and D skeletons that came out of the ground. Yeah. Yeah, that whole that whole scene involved a whole lot of new magic rules that were never. <laughs> we're never connected to the broader and then the elves come out and are like throwing magic snowballs at them like yeah yeah there's yeah. a lot there that was never fully integrated speaking of feeling like a different show yes um <laughs> that's some wheel of time shit <laughs> well that's not skeleton but anyway um yeah uh but there's got to be i feel like they were definitely check off gunning the that's a verb right sure. uh the the crypts yeah i don't know i just i i think I think that the I think we're gonna get a twist in this episode. Um, I think episode three. I think they are setting it up as the as the big battle between the living and the dead. But I just think there's something else. I think there's something else that's gonna happen. I kind of think that Cersei's gonna show up. And here's my reason: one, there's just the plain uh, economics of it. If I'm gonna shoot, and they've been saying for a while now that this episode is just like a 60 minute battle like that's what we're getting right Mm -hmm. i just feel like if you're going to shoot a 60 minute battle it's a lot easier to do it with human soldiers than with ice zombies it's a lot cheaper true um and i think there's a reason that we didn't see cersei at all in episode two but we talked about it Mm -hmm. that's fair um it's a little weird that we didn't check in with her at all and it's either because she was doing nothing interesting or important during this period or it's because if the show showed us what she was doing it would spoil a surprise right so i'm not i'm not 100 percent on that but that i just that's my feeling just i have this kind of sense of if all we're doing is fighting against those guys at winterfell i don't see you getting 60 minutes out of that and i just i don't know if i want to watch 60 minutes of that yeah there was a you know, a theory going around that that this whole attack is a feint, and that Night King's going to you know King's Landing to wreck shit and build a bigger army and whatever. Uh, but I really feel like all the you know that the only content in that what's the plan scene yeah was around the Night King and Bran and being in the Godswood and that situation. So I just feel like that's not going to be the case, and I feel like that's going to be a focus of like something related to. It could be both things, but like that could also be something of a twist. Like 
does the Night King kill Bran? Does, I don't know, like there's a lot that, I think something in that situation is going to happen. I don't think the Night King kills Bran. I, um, uh, because I think that we've established what Bran symbolizes. Right. And we had two characters. We had Bran say it, and then we had Sam, who is kind of a voice of truth in the show. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we generally, when Sam says something, we, the audience, are like, yeah, that's that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sam co-signed on the idea that Bran represents essentially the soul of Westeros. Right. We're not going to, he's what, he is what we have to protect. He's the one ring now. Mm-hmm. So I don't see him going in this episode. Well, I, wonder, I wonder when they're going to throw him into the uh, Mount Doom. <laughs> That'll be a good scene. I, I, I he's the, he's the MacGuffin now. And no, I know. To, okay. he's, he's the football. We have to protect him. Um, which I, which is actually fine because it gives the battle some more concrete stakes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Otherwise, it's kind of like, ah, it's just a messy fucking battle, right? right. Like, don't, don't let them kill us all, you know? Um, obviously, realistically, that's what we want. But just from a TV show perspective, it's easier to focus our attention on, like, if this happens, we lose, you know? Like, yeah. this is, if, you know, you, you've established the rules of the game. If we kill the Night King, all the zombies die, we win. If the Night King kills Bran... He wins. So, okay, cool. Got it. I understand the the parameters. Just like Battle of the Bastards. John kills Ramsey. John wins. Ramsey kills John. Ramsey wins. Cool. Get it. Um, uh, or 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 the Blackwater. If Stannis manages to you know um, uh, you know land the boats or whatever, there was some thing they established. Like okay, yep. if Stannis does this, then we've lost. If he makes it to the Red Keep, we've lost. Um, so that that that's that's good. But that means I don't think I think Bran is totally safe yeah i think that's probably a fair a fair assessment um you said you had some predictions of of people yeah i mean uh all right so very quickly theon killable his arc is done it's they just keep redoing it over and over again until (laughs) they can get him in position to die theon's done uh brienne i think is killable i think it sucks that her the try the the end of her arc was for a pretty man to like validate her but yeah fine <laughs> i think uh, it only i mean that's as an objective looking out like you know bird's eye view that sucks but in the context of the show i feel like yeah it's yeah. earned you know it, it's yeah. okay it's fine um brand sansa aria all safe uh all, all the Stark kids are making it to the end at this point. We're done killing Stark kids. Uh, Jorah is, um, I mean, I feel like he died 10 episodes ago, but that dude is smoked. Can I briefly say that for some reason I've been, you know, just like, I know there was a point where he was kind of annoying, but I don't know if it's like his his delivery or his diction or his, the combination of his accent, all that. For some reason, this guy just feels like so fantasy to me yeah i really like it like he just fits so well in and like whatever he delivers a lot i'm just like yeah man like fucking fantasy yes no he is um he is forever the guy you cast when you need a guy like him to wear a sword and say like really noble shit yeah um he's dead uh davos is dead as long as he can do like one last act of heroism kind of thing Mm mm-hmm um uh gray worm oh man that dude is dead yeah i read something i read something somewhere somebody said like the minute anybody makes a promise on game of thrones they die in the next episode and, and it's he was true like, i promise i'll take you to the beach i'm like you're dead you're dead yeah it's so true because i've been you know i've been watching with shay again she's in, about to hit the black water probably tonight and every time it's just it's so just like 
telegraph now because I've been seeing that same thing. It's just like, oh my god, every time somebody says like, I'll I'll tell you when I get back or I'll do this when yeah. we get back. It's just like you're <laughs> dead, 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 dead. Uh, Tormund is safe. He's comic relief and good for the memes. And uh, this show is written entirely for meme culture. So uh, as long as Tormund is making memes, Tormund is safe. Uh, the Hound is safe because I, contrary to what I said last week, I actually think Clegane Bowl matters. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think Clegane Bowl symbolizes something. And the Hound, at this point, symbolizes redemption. As much as a person can be redeemed in the world of Game of Thrones, the Hound represents that. And uh, the Mountain represents corruption and cruelty and all those other things. And Good had a chance to beat Evil back when the Viper fought the Mountain, and Evil won, and now... As the show approaches its end game, now good has a chance. A, a, a different version of good has a chance to fight evil. A different version of evil, and will win this time because this actually symbolizes a turning of the tide. Uh, in Game of Thrones, where the bad guys usually win, this will be a this will be a a, a, a symbolic turning of the tide when the Hound kills the Mountain. So that's got to happen. Um, so he is safe, assuming, again, the Cersei shows up theory isn't true and Game Bowl doesn't happen next week. It might. Um, Sam is safe because he is George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, and George R.R. Martin's character is definitely going to make it to the end. Tyrion we talked about. Jamie still has to kill Cersei, so as long as Cersei's alive, Jamie's alive. Uh, Varys is killable. Uh, I think we're killing Gendry next week um, because now it, um, we're going to get, that'll give some refreshed motivation for Arya. We're going to fridge her boyfriend. Um, uh, so I think that's going to happen. I don't. Th- what did you think of that scene, by the way? Who? Well, um, so first, first I, I didn't, I didn't mind the, on its face, the scene of her kind of, you know, being sexual and being sexual with Gendry, like, I'm okay with that. Um, I don't have a problem with that conceptually. Um, I actually bought her her attraction to him. I bought their tension. Um, uh, I I thought the weirdly composited body double was a strange choice. Yeah, that was. I, I just mean, felt like they we didn't, bu- Yeah, we didn't need to. We didn't need to have anything titillating. Um, that that I felt like that was unnecessary. Um, the part that bothered me the most is more is less about the scene and more about this show's handling of aria in general and it's like there's two different arias and they pick whichever one they want for the scene like sometimes she's the cold-blooded like mystical assassin and then in other scenes she just kind of like tomboy goth girl and it seems like the show just uses whichever version they need that's convenient and i think that as much as as i read the books as i was disappointed to see aria in the books to see her giving up her personality and her past and her connections to you know become an assassin as much as i that it was painful to read because i really liked the character like it's also like kind of good storytelling because it's a it's this parable for how her quest for revenge caused her to literally lose herself and for the show just to be like mm, nah not really just seemed kind of like oh okay Kind of like how Jon Snow came back from the dead with no... And didn't really seem to care. Just came back and was just like back to being normal-ass Jon. Um, it's it's just like... I like seeing normal Arya, but I just it's frustrating because of the way the show can't commit to who she is. 
Yeah, I agree, and that's because I've been feeling weird about her because I I always felt like oh I like I like seeing old Arya again, but I was just like why does it feel awkward? And you really summed it up well why it feels so awkward and uh, yeah. Um, I, I do feel like the, the body double just looked bad. It was just like, like yeah. it was so CGI. And I'm just like, and we've done body doubles before, and they look good. Like, not, not you know what I mean? Like, they looked well well done. Um, but, yeah, I mean. And I just, I think that the show's been ambiguous about how much time has passed since season one. And for us to not fully be aware of how old Arya is, but then to be to get this, like, borderline titillating shot of her body that's what made me uncomfortable is it almost felt like the show wanted me to wanted me to look at her sexually and Mm -hmm. i i was like i don't know if i'm on board for that like i'm not uh, you know and um it's not that i'm 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 okay with her as a character like being a sexual being but i don't i don't know i felt like the show wanted me to kind of perv out on her a little bit i'm like i don't want to do that yeah i mean even if even if by show standards you know the time has passed because like one, one thing that showed a little bit was i saw that when they did the shot of gilly and sam like their kids like yes like a, a well like, past toddler yeah, like kindergarten age now so like it's been a a number of years at least so sure. you know it's like but even that it's like yeah but like i don't know that's that shift I don't, know, I don't know how you properly handle that. Like, I, just, yeah. like, going from a girl who's supposed to be, like, what, like, 8, 10? You know, I don't know how yes. old she's supposed to be. Like, I'm not, in the book, she's younger. But, like, in the show, I mean, everyone's age is a little ambiguous in the show because they've aged up a lot of the girls for good reason. Um, but it just felt like a weird shift. And it's like, ah, we could have just ignored that. Like, right. There were ways to shoot this that didn't that didn't ask me to think about her sexually. As a, you know, mm-hmm. didn't ask me to, to like, ogle her body. Um, and, and I, again, I'm not uncomfortable with the idea of like Arya wanting to have sex with Gendry and Arya having sex with Gendry. I'm like, I'm okay with that conceptually, but just um, the way the show asked me to participate in the scene didn't feel appropriate, I guess is the best way I can put it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so do you think that that they win next week or, or, or that they lose and retreat? Like what's the overall, let, let's say if the Cersei twist doesn't happen, because that just complicates things, right? If it's just a straight up fight between the, the living and the dead... Yeah, so um, so here's I, I I was trying to plot this out in my head. So so let's say the good guys win, um, but naturally they don't come out unscathed, right? They have to suffer some losses and some setbacks. The battle has to take some toll. At that point, they are not going to be equipped to deal with Cersei in a military way, um, and also they have no way to like negotiate. Or bargain with they have nothing she wants yeah and they specifically said like you know even if we win here we won't be able to fend off cersei or something right. like that like they specifically called that out which i thought was important so that's scenario one and and then it's like i don't know what you do there because again they have no leverage and i don't know that you come up with some MacGuffin in episode four aha we figured out how we're gonna what leverage we have over cersei um and also uh well we know that that's what Daenerys wants and Daenerys is going to say great we beat we did your thing John now let's go do my thing um mm-hmm. okay so uh so that's option 1 option 2 very similar they have to abandon Winterfell and somehow get further south faster than the dead but that puts you in the same position of now they're on Cersei's doorstep with no leverage um and why wouldn't Cersei just murder them um option 3 Cersei shows up at Winterfell, um, uh, either as, you know, kind of a third army in the battle or on the side of the good guys, 
Um, either way, um, if Cersei shows up, uh, well, okay, so let's say she she's a neutral third party. There's a big three-way battle, um, and then come out the and the the two factions of the living are alive, but are no longer in a position to like really fight it out anymore. Now there has to be some kind of negotiation, uh, but negotiating as enemy. Option the last option which I think actually kind of gives you the most places to go story-wise is Cersei shows up at the last minute to bail out the hero. And now Daenerys is in debt to Cersei and and the, the good guys are depleted militarily. That I think gives you the most places to go story-wise. Um, so that's one way I think it could go. That's interesting. I, yeah, I, I find it interesting. One thing that I... One wrinkle that I see in that is that, and that, you know, I'm sure they could probably just write around it, but they've made such a big deal and such a big point of showing, you know, the importance of the dragon glass that, like, the Golden Company showing up without it seems true. You know, point. seems like I mean, like they, I mean, don't get me wrong, it seems like you just hack these things and they'll go down eventually, but like it's just been like so prevalent in every shot right. of like every episode for the season so yes. far i'm a little worried that like they put a lot of emphasis on that so i'm not putting it past the show to just be like yeah we don't give a fuck but like you know just like ignore that and just have a dumb plot hole but um the only only, only one thought i have the only thought i can i can think of where cersei might bring something to the table um uh because we haven't set up like gendry saying like boy we sure did make too many good dragon glass spears right boy, yeah. what if another army showed up wouldn't it be great um is the dragon killing ballista mm, yeah that, to use it on the the night king to to use on 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 the zombie dragon um because i think we can assume dragons are probably immune to fire would assume yeah um so but that creates an interesting question because if the dragons are immune to fire and daenerys is immune to fire um her dragon dragon versus dragon her versus the night king she wins right yeah because the night king ain't immune to fire right and we assume that it's gonna hurt the dragon too but even if it doesn't you know you got two dragons they just face each other and just flame blast right both dragon survives daenerys survives night king doesn't survive um so I don't know how that math works, the <laughs> dragon math. Um, but the ballista, and they keep showing us the ballista in the opening credits. So I feel like we have to see that ballista again. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I also kind of had this idea that maybe the twist in episode three is Daenerys bails for whatever reason, and she takes her dragon south. Um, and this is what's going to cause the big rift between her and Jon. Mm, that's an interesting one. I like that one. Uh, um, that either she's going to take a look at the battle and say, like, um, we're doomed. I'm going to go get my throne. And he's, and that creates a big rift. And, um, that sets up more of a showdown between between the two of them, um, which kind of feels like more of what they were building to. Uh, and again, I, I just keep coming back to, I think the final conflict has to be John versus Danny because um, it's a song of ice and fire, not a song of ice and fire and a lion. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A song of ice and fire versus the lion. I just, that's, that's kind of how I feel like this has to, this has to net out. And I think that's more interesting. And when I think about, I mean, I, I, what are Jon Snow's motivations after they kill the White Walkers? I don't really know. Like, what does Jon want beyond that? Right. Um, we know what Sansa wants. She wants independence from the North. And that's kind of what Jon wanted, too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but Daenerys doesn't want. So they're going to be in conflict. All Cersei really wants is revenge. Yeah. She wants revenge on the people she blames for the 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 dissolution of her family. She she wants to kill Tyrion because he killed Tywin. And even though she knows he didn't do it, she still kind of blames him for Joffrey. Um, yeah. She wants revenge on Jaime for betraying. She wants revenge on the Starks for every, you know, that's all Cersei wants. And the throne for her is just a pathway to revenge. So I don't think she has a big role in the endgame. Mm-hmm. What do you think Bronn's role is? He show up in the battle at some point and do something? I mean, I hope he's not just the MacGuffin. I hope he's not just the, you know, the flag for our team's capture the flag. Um, no, no, I, I'm sorry. I said Braun. Oh, Braun, not Bran. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't know, man. There is no fucking way he's killing Tyrion and Jaime. Yeah. No I mean, way. if they if they do that, I'd just be like, what? Like, that would be such a character assassination and a complete, like, you know, dissolution of his arc. No. There's they, they, there's no way that's going to happen. Um, at every... Ch- I mean, because also, we've seen this story unfold for him. This is that thing of, like, this show and the books in general, because they're so stretched out, and they don't know what to do with characters, they just have to them repeat the same character arcs over and over again. How many times have we seen Bronn choose loyalty over money? Mm. Like, and then they always make a joke of, like, oh, Bronn, I thought you were a mercenary, but you saved me in that battle. And then he's like, ah, you'll pay me later. <laughs> I'm not really a mercenary. I'm just your friend. Like, right. you just see it so many times. Like, it's going to happen again. We have no reason to believe Bronn is going to do any of this. It's fine. It's not even like we've, like, because even if, like, another way to set this scene up, if you really wanted me to maybe think Bronn might actually do it, is if Kyburn finds Bronn, like, destitute and disease-ridden, begging outside of a tavern you know penniless and 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 disheveled um but no we bronze got bronze got money to throw around for a four-way bronze fine like he doesn't need to get paid for this like it's not gonna happen i i don't know if bronze shows up in this episode or the next one i mean i think there might be something kind of wink wink if he shows up with the ballista you know showing up with the crossbow kind of thing but it's the ballista and it's for a dragon even though he'd have no way of knowing that it would be necessary it's true (laughs) whatever Yeah. yeah it's very true um yeah okay well i will say one thing that you know one positive is that i really don't know what's gonna happen exactly and that's that's a good place to be going in this episode i feel like where i i will legitimately be like you know part of it's because like i had i had originally watched the first season then read all the books and then continue on so i you know i knew the rough outcome of a lot of things and some of the more recent you know once they got past the books in the battle of the bastards and the trip beyond the wall and hard home and stuff it's like well I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I kind of know where we're going to end up here. Like, John's yeah. not going to die. Like, we might lose a couple people. Night King gets stronger. You know, like, Jamie comes, or Danny comes and rescues him. Like, the, the, the beats were all there. Like, they're not going to have Ramsey Bolton win over John, and then the show is over, basically, right? Um, there's, you know, the show has trained us to sort of identify in some ways, like, who's important and who's not, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Rob was expendable. Even though in the context you might not think he was, but he was. Uh, and but I, I really do do like feel like I'm I'm excited. Even though I'm not loving the direction of some things right now, I, I am excited for this episode just from a pure. This is a triple A fantasy bullshit action I'm about to see, and I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, I'm less excited about the spectacle. Um, I'm more interested because 
I mean, yeah, like you say, I know the broad strokes. I know who's safe. Um, and I, 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 I think we're going to be done with the Night King in, in this episode. I, I think that that story has run its course. I don't think there's anything more that we can really learn about the Night King or his motivations or anything like that that's going to shed any light on anything else in the story. And I think we're done with, you know, big revelations about the past and familial connections and, you know, Luke, I am your father nonsense. Like, I think we're done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I am I am more interested in what what I hope will will be a bigger ideological conflict at the end of the show, as opposed to a just kind of a, you know, good guys versus ice zombies conflict right. or a um, or a, um, you know good guys versus mean lady conflict mm-hmm. um good monarchs versus bad monarchs conflict yeah i hope it doesn't and i hope it comes down more to the ideals of the north versus the ideals of the old world represented by daenerys um which i kind of feel like is what this has been building to yeah that's kind of the you know um you know we saw the ideals of the starks get crushed by the cunning of the lannisters and um and i think that we kind of have to come back around to that how i feel and i think that um uh that's where we have to end up so i would like to see it get there i just i'm I'm curious to see what they do next and how they get us to something bigger because honestly this whole the big battle feels really low stakes right now. Mm-hmm. it feels kind of perfunctory no i get and that we kind of got to do this and then we got to get the night king off the board so that we can get to the you know get to the real villain one one thing the show has not done a good job of and i mean i know when you look it doesn't always line out this way right in history and, and in other fiction but they haven't done a good job of convincing like showing me or just telling me why do people care so much about like the north like yes i mean cersei i get it earlier because they were in a state of war and like conflict but like why don't they why doesn't Danny just be like fine fuck off i don't care like everyone talks about how miserable the north is and how no one likes it there and it's cold and it's miserable they don't have any they're not wealthy they're you know they're not friendly to outside like all these different things and it's just like just go let them do, do their own thing then danny like you still got six kingdoms but they're a lot richer and you know whatever i know it's a big chunk of geographic land but like I don't know. I mean, it just seems like they could have, once again, like leveraged this more by having, you know, a voice of reason, Sansa or John or Sam, even someone being like, hey, you know, why don't we come to just some sort of agreement where you get the rest of them and we, you know, we just have an independent north and we're in alliance together and blah, blah, blah or whatever. And her being like, no. I mean, I think that that was like, a little bit of the, the bend the knee conflict from season seven, a thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, and I feel like John was trying to make the pitch of like, I'll be king in the north. You're going to be queen of everything else. And we're good. And I think she was trying to make the case of like, no, I'm the queen of everything or I'm the queen of none, which is, um, again, kind of a, like, I don't know how we, the audience, are supposed to be like, yeah, you tell him, Khaleesi. I'm kind of like, I don't know, seems reasonable to me. It's just a snowy wasteland with a dumb <laughs> wall that doesn't work anymore. Like, right, right. I don't know, you guys have it. Like, I want the veil where all the food comes from. Or not the veil, the arbor where the food comes from. And Casterly Rock where all the gold is. You can have your dumb snow fort. I don't care. <laughs> um, right. Which, again, is why I, I think that they keep making Daenerys's goals and motivations more remote and unrelatable, which I think is, un- which I think is intense. 
um, we're supposed to relate to John and uh, the North and we just want to be free and independent and you know Sansa being the voice of that now of like we don't need your we don't need your we don't need your rules man we're the North we we're a little racist apparently but we're the North um, yeah, real, real, real racist <laughs> which came out of nowhere but I mean I, I mean I wouldn't expect them to not be given the history of that world but even so um a little bit of a surprise uh thought these were the good guys uh but like yeah i just I, th- that's why again i feel like we're setting up daenerys um and i don't think they're doing a fake out like they did with the aria sansa crap last season uh right um nope they worked out all their differences off screen it's good <laughs> um i don't think we're going that direction because i feel like they've been building to this for too long and again i don't i don't see a satisfying final chapter to this show that doesn't involve a conflict between john and Daenerys. i'm with you on that so well anything else to add um 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 no uh yeah no i mean i'm a little bit excited about next week i'm honestly more excited about episode four if that makes sense yeah because i'm I'm, I'm always i mean my favorite episodes are always the falling action like whenever i like i love the climax of a good book but that last three to five percent where it's like the outcomes the results of what happened i love that and 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 you know george R. r martin has always been that's that's really been his greatest one of his greatest skills is that every action has consequences not all of them good not all of them predictable mm-hmm. uh and you know there would be these big battles and that was kind of the genius of the early seasons when the battles would be mostly off screen partially due to budget cuts not cuts but you know budget issues but um but it was also because the actual mechanics of the battle are not the important part right. the important part is who died in the battle because those personalities are what drive future decisions and those were and and what are the relationships of people after the battle because those relationships dictate the power structures going forward um and uh it wasn't so much that rob stark died at the red wedding but that the stark army was essentially decapitated and the phrase who controlled a very important tra- uh, travel route had flipped allegiance right. like that was the that was the important part and so that's why again the episode after the battle is always so much more interesting than seeing who's good with a sword this time you know yeah but i am excited for fancy bullshit i know i know and i, and I am too I, I would like to see um although it looks like they forgot to light this episode so yeah who knows yeah. what we're actually gonna see next week but it's true i'm just hoping for some uh some because you know they had done really good job with some of these the, these big set piece episodes right like yes. you know hard home and blackwater and they've just you know i've really enjoyed watching them and i think that you know i i do there hasn't really been big fantasy or even you know uh medieval style like set pieces in a while yeah. at least i've seen you know the the fight scenes in lord of the rings were always so impactful to me uh, my imagination and as well as even other movies that like aren't necessarily good but just like seeing you know seeing that style like kingdom of heaven and movies like that where it's like you know seeing old style fighting is is fun you want to see some swords clanging yeah Yeah. some spears some horses i don't like when the horses die but you know it (laughs) happened um this one's gonna have some dragons and some zombies for some reason uh some dragon zombies yeah yeah no i i'm jazzed for the spectacle 
a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm also, and this sounds kind of ghoulish, but I'm also looking forward to winnowing the cast a little bit. Once, it needs to happen. Once we got them all together, you kind of realize like, oh, I don't need Jorah and Davos. <laughs> like, I right. really only need one of these dudes. Or yeah. like, I don't need Varys and Tyrion anymore. Like, they yeah. kind of are the same a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 anxious to getting back down to like a core group we could focus on, spend a little bit more time on their motivations and what they bring to the table. I mean, I feel like I kind of felt like one of the directions all this was taking was you scattered the, the all the Stark kids, right? And each one goes off and trains to become like a different member of the game of thrones like ultimate D party like Arya goes off and becomes like a badass rogue and john goes off and becomes a great fighter and bran is a wizard now and sansa becomes this like calculating tactician politician and i'm like now that they're all together i can't wait to see like what kind of superhero team they make and then i also kind of felt like once we got all these other characters together it'd be like oh what an awesome superhero team of the good guys now but none of them seem to really like we haven't been focusing on what any of them really brings to the table to the larger group. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. it's not like, yay, we finally got, you know, uh, the guy who's really good with the bow and arrow. That's going to really come in handy. And here's the spear guy. And boy, it's going to be great when the spear guy fights the zombies. But instead, it's all like, well, there's that big, strong guy. And well, we got this other big, strong guy. <laughs> uh, we got like a uh, another knightly dude who's real good with the sword and shield. Oh, good. And then there's the knightly girl who's good with the sword and shield. And I'm like, I, yeah. I, and and I know I'm getting into like fantasy trope stuff, but I just feel like I'd have more of a sense of like, yeah, we finally got the fucking Avengers together. What a cool team. <laughs> Instead, it's just like. Oh, we got like eight Hawkeyes on this team right now. <laughs> One thing that I just kind of realized was that I, is this this might be the first time we've seen like a a war situation with zombies on the show or just in general, just like in general, like I haven't seen, I mean, walking dead had some bigger set pieces with a lot of zombies, but like fighting, a like having armies fight against a big army of zombies. like, I mean, I guess the context is just kind of particular, but yeah, I mean, but I mean, functionally, what's the difference between the white walkers and the Urukai? Yeah, that's true. Other than the fact that they've got the magic to turn everybody they kill into more zombies which is which is gonna be tough yeah <laughs> we should have could have focused on that a little bit for like a reminder a couple times yeah. like you know you like i feel like during that planning scene it should have been very important to say like it's very important that we sacrifice as few people as possible so we have planned things in this way so as to to, to minimize casualties so this type of strategy is off limits for us because then we're just giving them soldiers you know Right. Saying something like, oh, no, we can't do a shield wall because blah, 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 blah. And the math doesn't like that would have been a little bit more interesting and a reminder of how this is different than maybe some other Game of Thrones battles we've seen before. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, reconvene in a week. Hey, to. Yeah. But you know what happens between now and then, right? Oh, we get to. Oh, my. We get to watch another thing that that is probably going to be maybe. Bad. Uh, I mean, I would. I would, you know, we all know my persuasions, but uh, I would definitely bet. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, this show isn't total garbage right now, but. No, no, and, and like, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is, it's still worth my time. It's yeah. still, you know, I still get something out of it. I mean, I think that 
I'll be curious to see how it stands up when we have other AAA fantasy shows to compare to in 20 years, however long these shows are going to go run for. You know, we have how does, and I think there'll be different styles, but, you know, how do we compare Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time and whatever else, if any of them actually make it past a season or two? Yeah, I think, and I think that the interesting thing here is that you can really point to when Game of Thrones changed was when they went off the, when they went off book and Wheel of Time won't have that problem. Uh, and Lord of the Rings won't have that problem either. Although we should really start calling it Middle Earth or something because it's really not Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I don't like that they called it Lord of the Rings. I mean, I, I get why they did it because branding and all that, but like it, they should have made something. Yeah, they could have done it and people would have watched. But it, they right? also they, they said, like, like they. I feel like they were trying to establish the Middle Earth brand because those. Uh, <clears throat> like the the Shadow of Mordor games were branded as Middle Earth, not as Lord right. of the Rings. And I'm like, right. that kind of makes sense because Lord of the Rings is a specific thing, you know, right. s- specific story that happens within the setting of Middle Earth. And and these this show is definitely not Lord of the Rings. It's like, you know, some like in between the Silmarillion and Fellowship. Well, great. Um, right. <laughs> during, you mean that time <laughs> that when nothing happened? Uh Nothing uh, interesting happened uh, in the story of Middle Earth. But anyway, like, but that doesn't have the going off book problem because theoretically um, you're going to have one showrunner head writer for that. You know, it's going to be a consistent vision from start to finish. Right. Uh, and that's one thing that I think they're going to be able to do well for Wheel of Time. And I hope they learn that this from Game of Thrones is that, you know, and certainly Game of Thrones did it at times, but being able to see the whole thing and plan out and be like, okay. This season we're going to do this, and this season we're going to do that, and that season we're going to do this, and hey, this, you know, and trust me, Wheel of Time's got even more characters than Game of Thrones does. Let's take these six characters and eliminate their stories from the thing entirely because and not and not do these not do the game of thrones route where we start their story in season one two and three and then realize eh, we're not really going with this and then just truncate it yeah the fans like, don't and that's really what we've like been seeing guy. right and let's or let's you know let's wrap this story this person can serve this role in both these contexts or whatever you know there's a lot of things to trim and i think that i mean obviously you have to do that with a little time because it's fucking huge but yeah. like i just hope that they they plan that out because, and I know it's hard with TV because the structures of it and you, you're not planning out everything, but this is an opportunity to do these things. And I think to do them well, you have to. Yeah. So I think, I think those are going to be interesting. I think that wheel of time is a fundamentally different beast than song of ice and fire because sure. you know, song of ice and fire is almost a, although I think they kind of started around the same time. Pretty close. Yeah. But song of ice and fire is almost a rebuttal of wheel of time. Yeah. Although George R. R. Martin says that his, his work is not a critique of Tolkien and by extension Robert Jordan which is just a Tolkien but what if I did it um, uh, I mean come on I'm not wrong you're baiting me here I'm not wrong I think it's fine but it doesn't really build on what on on the established I don't think you got far enough to make that judgment Gregory maybe I didn't <laughs> <laughs> maybe I didn't maybe it takes a turn again this isn't a this isn't a critique of Wheel of Time, it is just a statement that it is down the middle. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think it's fundamentally different, but, you know, I think having a clear vision of, like, what are we trying to do here? What is What makes this unique? Because what made Game of Thrones unique was not the fact that it killed people periodically and the characters had sex. Like, that's not what makes this story unique. It's It, it makes it unique in the way that um, it's fantasy, but um, but characters have very venal and personal motivations for things that drive the plot. 
Um, not everybody is either, you know, a high-minded, you know, sorcerer or an evil plotting, you know, monster. Um, people do things because they've got weird sexual hang-ups and wars are fought over it. So it has that. It has the fact that, like, nobody, there are no extras in Game of Thrones. Every single character that you meet has a history and relationships with other characters and grudges and goals and all of that. And actions have real consequences. People take things personally. And uh, those are the things that kind of made it unique. And the showrunners, once they got out the books, they were on, they didn't, they didn't realize that was what made this thing unique. They thought that what was made it unique was brutal violence and sex. And also we do memes now. Or, or they potentially just ran at it. Like they ran at it. They wrote themselves into corners and ran out of time. So they couldn't give each, you know, each character in all these situations they just hard to start trimming and and except we're we're rushing even though it doesn't feel like we're like the pacing right. is still there but we're still rushing through character arcs and tying things up and and like i said i keep using the word truncating but um that's how it feels to at least yeah or, I mean, probably some combination of the two and but i think that if they'd done that if they if they said look we have We've got to make some. We've got to make some choices here because we know what the end game is, and we got to get the pieces in place, and we don't have a ton of time to do it. Um, but also, we have to keep in mind that character motivations are still important. Actions still have consequences. You know, it, you know, making sure of those things. Um, all I'm saying is, Yara and Theon could have sailed back to the Iron Islands, and we could never could have seen them again, and it would have been okay. Yeah. Jorah could have died of grayscale or he could have ridden off into the desert with his grayscale and we never saw him again and that would have been okay um the the there are ways that we could have got there like there's a lot of things you still could have cut out of the post martin game of thrones tv series in order to make room for the stuff that matters but they didn't because i think they didn't know what matters. that's that's my hypothesis yeah i think you're I think you're right, uh, and um, hopefully that some of that will be, you know, like I said, we have to view these things as a whole, right? Like, hopefully, maybe some of those things, you know, that Theon or Jorah have a really important role to play that we don't know yet, but eh, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> we'll find out All right. next week. Next week. On Reality Alternative. ba da ba ba da ba 